Career Marriage Podcast. I am your host, Nisar Ahmed. I am the founder and editor of the blog, CareerMarriage.com. And this is episode 18 of the Career Marriage Podcast. And this episode is part of the Expert Series. And for today's Career Expert Series episode, I'm interviewing Margaret Booch. Uh, in a moment, I'll have Margaret introduce herself, but this is a very high-level bio of uh, bio of Margaret. Margaret Booch is an interview and career acceleration coach who specializes in helping professionals get any job they want at their very at the very at the very best salary. Margaret, welcome to the podcast. Anita, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for the introduction. Uh, I wanted to ask you now if you can take a moment to uh, very quickly introduce yourself uh, and also how you got started as a career coach. Okay, um, absolutely. So um, as you mentioned, I'm an interview coach um, and I help professionals get hired, promoted and paid more. Um, I've done this for 10 years now and during this time I've worked with people really across the globe. I mean I've worked obviously with a lot of people from Europe, I'm based in London, um, but I've had clients in the States, I had clients in Australia, you know, I had a client from Pakistan, from Saudi Arabia, <laughs> from a couple of countries in Africa, so I, I've really worked with clients um, truly globally, uh, which has been extremely satisfying. Um, and also um, I have almost 12 years of experience in recruitment and during this time I've recruited for companies primarily in the e-commerce and technology space. So I've recruited for companies like Microsoft, um, Cisco Systems, Expedia. Um, I looked after recruitment um, for a technology startup, um, and I'm currently doing some digital recruitment as well. So during this time, you know, I've really recruited truly globally. I mean, mo- I, I think I've worked on at least one role in every single country in Europe, <laughs> and I've done quite a lot of role, quite a lot of work in the U.S. as well. Um, both for Expedia, for a tech startup called Hildify, and, and even now I'm doing some work in New York. So, um, so hopefully I can give your listeners some tips, tips that will really help them um, stand up in an interview and, and get more interviews in the first place. Um, and in terms of how I started um, in um, interview coaching, um, initially it was a little bit by accident because I started before I qualified as a coach. I am obviously qualified as a coach right now and I've got a couple of um, coaching diplomas. Um, but the way I started was that um, I was looking for something that I could do on a part-time basis that I would enjoy doing on top of my recruitment job. And, you know, we're talking over 10 years ago now. And it kind of happened by accident because um, a friend of a friend um, lost his job and he's, he had been looking for a job for almost um, almost a year. And he still, you know, he had a really good CV. It was a, good, a really good resume. Um, he, 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 he had a technical experience. He spent, you know, eight years as a billing analyst. Um, he got laid off and then he couldn't find a job for almost a year. So um, this friend said to me, you know, could you help him because, you know, he's struggling to find a job. Um, anyway, we, we did a session, and um, and I've helped him with his interview confidence and how to answer the questions. After our session, um, this person um, started getting second interviews with some really good companies. We did one more session, he got the job, and he's been getting every job since then. So I was like, wow, you know, there, there must be other people who need similar help. And um, yes, that, that's really how it started. I, I was very busy in my day job at the time. So um, one Sunday I've done some research and I've realized there weren't even that many people providing similar service. There are obviously many more right now. Um, then the next Sunday I wrote content for the website. The next Sunday I actually created my first website from templates. <laughs> it was very basic, not like now. And um, and yeah, and um, I, I did some Google AdWords and I got my first two clients in the first week. So that's how it started. 
and obviously it's grown massively since then, but that that was the start ten years ago. It's gonna be ten years in October now. Well, congratulations. That's a huge milestone, ten years. So thank you. No, I've, I've enjoyed it. I always like to hear my guests' stories from where they started to where they are today. It's always fascinating okay. to listen to their story. One thing I also want to ask before we get into the tips and uh, more about job search and interviews, uh, Margaret, is you mentioned you're from London, England. Uh, obviously, anyone listening to this knows a little bit about London. It's a very prominent city globally. Uh, I wanted to hear from you. Uh, is there anything that is like an unknown fact, something most people do not know about London? God, to be honest, I'm not really sure. <laughs> I don't know. I'm from Poland originally, but I've been here for 17 years now. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I think um, I think in terms of the job, cause I think a lot of people, you know, I get so many. Um, I'm sure there are things that people don't know about London, but I can't think of anything right now. But in terms of the job search, you know, I actually think London is, on one hand, there are a lot of opportunities. On the other hand, it's quite a tough market. It really is a tough market because I think sometimes people think, oh, you know, just come to London. It's going to be so easy. Loads of jobs. Not the case. There might be a lot of jobs. Completely agree. But employers are looking for a very close fit. So I can't tell you how many applications I'm getting from people, well, quite often from countries that they actually aren't eligible to work in the UK, but I get a lot of people who like want to work in London and they just think it's going to be so easy. It's not. It's really not easy. Uh, the immigration rules have got much tougher. So, uh, you know, unless you're in the EU, it's, it's very difficult to get a work permit. So I think that's just maybe one thing people think it's just so easy. <laughs> it's not. I mean, there are obviously a lot of opportunities in London, which is great. I think in any bigger city, it's definitely easier than in small cities. Um, there's no doubt about that. But I still think it's a hard market because there's a lot of competition, a lot of jobs, but a lot of competition as well. But, you know, hopefully with some of the tips I'm going to share today, um, it's going to make it easier to get a job in any market. Wonderful. So why don't we just uh, get started with the tips? So the first question I have uh, before we get uh, is, You've seen, you mentioned in your introduction, you've seen clients from all over the world. Um, what are the biggest challenges that they come to you for? Uh, do you know, um, so, so a few challenges. So um, I think the most common thing, people come to me because they've had a few unsuccessful job interviews and they need some help. I have to say, most of my clients, they're not like really bad. In fact, you know, I quite like when a client just, you know, there will be occasionally someone who just really doesn't know much about how to sell themselves in interviewing and I quite like that because you can add a lot of value but most people I see these days you know they're good they, they're actually good interview interviewees but you know it's a really competitive market especially with the competency-based interviews and so most people I see they're not bad they just they 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 just need that wow factor you know they just really need to be able to make it make themselves stand out so that's something I can help them with um so that's that's one thing they've had Typically, they've had a few unsuccessful interviews, and they've decided they need some help to make themselves stand out. Sometimes they just haven't had an interview for a long time. You know, there are people who've spent a few years in one company, or you know, maybe they've spent even several years in one company. They they they've progressed. They had a, a, several different jobs, and they're just out of practice. So they just need a bit of practice with with, with interviewing. Um, and also, people sometimes just don't get enough interviews in the first place. Um, and that's typically the fault of, well, either the job search strategy, but quite often the resume that doesn't make them stand out. So that's another another thing that people come to me for. You just mentioned resume. I think uh, most interviews begin with a resume. Um, I mean, the process starts with the resume. So when it yeah. comes to the resume, what what are your top tips 
uh, for resume or cover letter? Yeah, okay, so let, let's maybe start with the um, resume first. Um, you know, I won't talk about the structure of the resume because there's just loads of tips out there. I don't want to repeat the kind of, you know, basics. I'll just give you like the, you know, one, one thing that I would say that's really going to make a difference if is that you have a really an achievement-based resume. Because many resumes I receive in my recruitment job are very duty-oriented. So job seekers have a long list of what they've done, but not enough tangible achievements. Or if they have achievements, they're not tangible or they're not relevant to the jobs they're applying for. So that's the problem, because you know, if you want to increase your chances of being called for an interview, you need to give concrete examples of what you've done in a current or previous job that will be relevant um, to a potential employer. So um, one of the things that I would recommend, and you know, I'll, I'll talk about that probably later when talking about interview tips, but um, think of um, the, the STAR format that many people know as the situation task action result because that will help you introduce the problem you've solved in a job and, and highlight your contribution. So obviously you wouldn't have long stories on your resume but you just want to be able to illustrate your achievements and have something that's, um, that's tangible. So like, you know, let's suppose you've done something to increase customer satisfaction from 75% to 90%. You know, put that on your resume. So just try to quantify your experience as much as you can. Even if you're working in a junior position, you know, let's say you work as an account assistant, maybe mention the number of invoices you're processing on a daily basis. Numbers is impress people, so, so think of something you've done that has increased sales, saved time, or, or, or saved money. Um, and then ask yourself, how do I know I've done a good job? So whenever you prepare a resume for any bullet point you write, ask yourself, like, how do I know I've done a good job? Because this will help you focus on the results you've achieved and it will help you get called for an interview as well. And when you quantify your resume, the numbers don't have to be focused just on revenue. Um, that, that's, that, I think, common misconception. Like, if you don't work in sales, so what? You know, like, perhaps you've trained hundreds of people on a particular system at work. So mention that on your resume. Um, and, and, you know, be specific with business situations describing your responsibilities. If you manage a team of 10, you know, if you manage a budget of half a million, you might want to put that number on your, um, on your resume as well. So, you know, don't ever think that you ha didn't make an impact just because you weren't in a sales job. So th there are many other ways that you might have made contribution to your employer. For example, increasing the loyalty or satisfaction of existing customers, solving a problem or a challenge. Um, saving money, perhaps negotiating a better deal from suppliers, um, you know, saving time, maybe suggesting a new time-saving process or streamlining procedures, or increasing the company press coverage, you know, or, or market recognition. That that's all stuff that that I think you know you should definitely put on your on your um, resume. Another just quick thing I would mention on the resume: um, you need to tailor that to specific jobs and. Um, I mean, I would always recommend sending less applications, but tailoring them to specific jobs, rather than sending the same resume for, for many different jobs. Um, so yeah, it's just, you know, tailor your resume. That's why I think in terms of the structure of the resume, I personally like a skill section on top of the resume. Summary of skill section, you know, could be one or the other. Um, and basically emphasize the experience that the employers are looking for. So if you see specific requirements on the job description and you have that experience, quantify that and put that in a skill section. Like you want the recruiter to know within the first three seconds of looking at your resume that you have the skills that employers are looking for. So, you know, I know I've been talking about this quantifying your experience, but that's just really, really important. That, that's what makes you, makes you stand out. Don't just mention the responsibilities. Um, so so that, that, that will be definitely um, very important. Um, and, uh, and also keywords, you know, in terms of resume, like if you look at the job descriptions and you see some specific keywords that are listed, so maybe there are specific computer programs or 
Uh, you know, maybe you work in marketing, like, you know, marketing is really wide. So maybe you work, you work in brand marketing or you do SEO, like just make sure that you have the same keywords that are listed on the job description that are listed on your resume as well. So that will be um, about the resume. Um, and cover letters. Uh, you know, again, I see a lot of cover letters. Um, a lot of them aren't very good, to be honest. They're either too generic or, or, um, or just way, way, way too long. Um, I don't think cover letter has to be long. I think for some jobs it might be. Some jobs require a, like a proper application form uh, which, or um, personal statement, which I, I realize will be quite long. Um, but at the same time, you know, I would say keep it brief. Um, recruiters and hiring managers are too busy to read very long cover letters, so it's best to keep it concise. Succinct paragraphs are so much better than long essays. So if you only had 15 seconds to tell the employer why they should meet you, what would you say? And put that in a cover letter. So, you know, all you need to put in a cover letter is why you're interested in the job, why you qualified, don't forget to mention specific accomplishments, and finish with a call to action and a you know, request for information on the next step in the hiring process. So, you know, really, really easy, really simple. Uh, a couple of paragraphs is fine. Um, and again, customizing your cover letter is as important as cu customizing your resume. Um, I sometimes get resumes and the, the, the candidate hasn't even bothered changing the name of the previous company. So as an example, when I was recruiting for Expedia, I would get an email, you know, cover letter from a candidate saying how interested they are in the job at Amazon or whatever it was. I mean, that's just so bad. <laughs> completely disqualifying yourself. It's just like, you know, a complete lack of attention to detail. And I've had candidates who put on the resume that they have excellent attention to detail and then the resume has two spelling mistakes. So, um, yeah, so, you know, customize the cover letter. Make sure that you relate your qualifications to the requirements in your letter. And again, make sure you talk about specific accomplishments and results you've achieved. So you might even want to mention a few bullet points. You know, this is what I can bring to the job and mention a few results and a few specific accomplishments that are relevant to the qualifications. Um, you list it in the job description. And, you know, obviously you want to show you've done your research. So maybe you want to include some company-specific content, like, you know, maybe, I don't know, just whatever you've read about the company or recent announcements that interest you might want to mention that as a reason for you being interested in the company. Um, and obviously the basics, yes, so make sure it's well, well laid out, no spelling and grammar mistakes. Um, so, you know, as I, as I mentioned to you before, like a candidate sometimes don't, a candidate don't even remove the job title of a previous application or they use their own company name. So that's not a great impression. So, yeah, this will be my main tips. <laughs> yeah, thanks for summary. I mean, I can imagine uh, the frustration being on the other side and you, you're, you're sitting at Expedia and you get a you get a – an application for someone who wants to work at Amazon. So yeah. right, right away they're disqualified. Not Amazon, but it was it was a different company. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I I, I, yeah. I I get the point. So it's uh, it, it's true. Yeah. Um, so before we, I mean, one of the things resumes have always been important. Uh, I think in UK you call them CVs, we call right? Them CV. Yeah, we call them yeah. CV. Yeah. I think in Asia as well, they call it CVs and uh, Europe as well. Here in North America, it's called resume. I know, that's what I'm, I'm I've been trying to use resume, but yeah, it's, it's exactly the same thing. So Okay, so that uh, so now, b before resumes came into picture, I mean, for many years, resumes have always been into picture. Uh, they're not going away, they're still there. How about LinkedIn? How important is LinkedIn to the whole process? Oh, you know, I think it's very important, but I think it also depends what you do. Um, I think it's got to be more important for some jobs than the others. I Recruiters use LinkedIn for, I mean, all recruiters I know, including myself, 
Um, use LinkedIn to try to find passive candidates who are not looking for a job. So we all use LinkedIn for headhunting. I can't tell you how many candidates, how many jobs are filled using LinkedIn over the years. It's huge amounts. I wouldn't be able to even tell you the number because it's a huge, huge, huge amount. Um, so I think it's very important that you have a strong LinkedIn profile, which means strong summary section, that your profile is fully... Um, just fully complete, you know? And again, it's kind of similar to resume. You want to make sure you have that summary section that sells you and talks about your achievements. You want to make sure that you have, that you fill out all the, all the, um, you know, um, you, you may, you know, it's not enough to have a job title and dates, but you still want to be able to mention some responsibilities, mention some achievements. So in a way, it should be very similar to your resume. Obviously, it doesn't have to have quite as much detail, um, but I would absolutely keep it, um, just make sure that you have the right information, strong summary section, um, that you have a professional picture. Oh, my God, some, some of the pictures I've seen. Um, yeah, some of the pictures I've seen, you will just, you, you'll be amazed that people think it's a professional picture. <laughs> yeah, so I think, you know, professional picture is very important as well. But no, I think LinkedIn is very important. Um, you know, I've had hiring managers. That was for, mind you, for a job in sales. Um, they they couldn't the, the candidate wasn't so the candidate applying for a job in um sales and business development um wasn't on linkedin and the candidate um and the hiring manager said you know just wasn't interested because how can you not be on linkedin if you work in sales like how how else you build relationships so well, not not how you build relationships, but you should be you should be on LinkedIn and building a network there as well. Um, but it's also important that you're quite active on LinkedIn, you know. So it's not enough just to oh, just to create your profile and then forget about it. Like you may you know make sure that you keep adding connections, that you connect with all your previous uh, you know work contacts and, and and colleagues. And if you go to a networking meeting, you might want to add people to LinkedIn as well on LinkedIn as well. Um, you know, you might want to contribute some discussions or share con share content. I publish a lot of my content. I publish a lot of articles on on, on LinkedIn. I get that that gets um, quite a lot of um, you know comments and tractions and so um, and I, I you know I have fourteen thousand connections about fourteen thousand connections so so well, it, yeah that that is impressive fourteen thousand connections yeah. and uh, so th that is going to be a question that how important to like uh, what is the relevance having with the number of connections to you how strong your profile is. Uh, do you know what? I, I'm not sure what the exact number is. Like, obviously, you need to have, I think you really need to have at least two to 300 to even, because the more, especially with the basic profile, the more connections you have, the, the, you have access to more people that way. So I think aim for at least two to 300 connections, which honestly shouldn't be very difficult if you connect with work colleagues or the previous work colleagues. You know, if you're a graduate, of course, it's going to be less. But if you had a few years of work experience, you, you, you would have met more than that, you know, more people, people, um, you would have met definitely more than 200 people in the course of your of your working career. So at the same time, you know, it is more about, I would say, quality than quantity. There's no point having a, a huge amount. Um, it is not really relevant to what you do. So I think it's better to have less connections. But I think it's just important that you keep building your network. It is about quality, not quantity, but it's just important that you do it consistently and that you do it over, over, over time. Um, and also, you know, LinkedIn is so good for even... Um, finding, um, you know, companies, like you might want to research research companies and, and see how they present themselves. And a lot of companies have the LinkedIn page, so you can follow them and, you know, just see what they say about themselves. That will help you with the interviews. You can research who works there. You can contact people to conduct informational interviews. There's just so much stuff you can do on LinkedIn. So, so yeah, no, I think it's absolutely important. At the same time, it's probably more important for some jobs than the others. Like most of my clients, they will be in, you know, office jobs. Different, different jobs but office jobs um, 
how useful it is in, I don't know, nursing or teaching, I have no idea. <laughs> that's, that's not my sector. But in general, I would definitely recommend being on LinkedIn. Okay. So someone has prepared their resume, they prepared their cover letter, they have a strong LinkedIn profile, mm -hmm. they get the interview for their dream job. Yeah. So he, he's the fun part, right? Yeah. So when going into an interview or during the interview, what would you say in your experience, uh, uh, what are some things that people should be doing better or what they can improve on? Yeah, definitely. Um, do, do you know, the, the, the main thing really um, is that you need to be able to back up your answers with examples. So, you know, I think most people, they know they have to do the research on the company. Yes, they know they have to know what they've done during their jobs. Like most people do that basic level of research. At the same time, I think, you know, in terms of research of the company, you, you ideally want to know something that they don't expect you to know. Or like go there having some information that they don't expect you to have. So one tip I would recommend in terms of company research, and it's not going to work every single time, but have a look on, you know, like we have Google News. You know, when you've got Google Images, Google Maps, there's Google News as well. When you type in the company name, you will get the most up-to-date information um, that has been published on the company. Now, it might be that, you know, there's nothing, nothing has been published on the company you've interviewing for for the last four months. But I've seen situations when you had information from an hour ago. So, you know, just imagine how impressive it is when you go to an interview, you know about something that just happened within a company. It's just been published. It's not even on the website yet. So um, Google News is quite good. Um, another thing, you know, backing up your answers with examples is just so, so, so important. Because even if the employer doesn't ask you what can you bring to the job, you obviously want to tell them, right? Like you, you want them to be crystal clear by the time you leave the interview that you're the right person for the job. So how do you do that? You don't do it by providing really generic answers. Because, you know, what most people do when you ask them, what can you bring to the job? Or what are your strengths? What are your skills? Most people give very generic answers that don't make them stand out from, the, from other candidates in the slightest. And that's why they don't get hired. That's one of the reasons. I'll talk about another one soon. So, so back up your answers with examples. So for example, instead of saying that you have strong technical skills, mention which skills you have and how you've used them. Instead of saying that you are, you know, that you have, uh, you know, you, I don't know, you have good management skills, maybe mention that you managed teams for 10 years and you managed, you know, mention the size of teams managed or that a lot of people managed but you became managers. Or, you know, instead of saying you're really well organized, you might want to say that um, even when you're very junior, you can say that, you know, when you were at university, you were part of this committee that organized 10 events with up to 100 participants each. So just back up your answers with examples, that's really important. Um, another one, um, is, is, is there is one thing that most of my clients have in common, is that they struggle with answering competency or behavioral questions during job interviews. So even if an employee hasn't told you that you will be involved in a behavioral style, style of an interview, you are still likely to ask, face these behavioral um, style questions. So for those who don't know what, that, what those are, um, Traditional interview questions ask you questions like, tell me a bit about yourself or why do you want to work here? Um, whereas the process of competency-based interviewing is much more challenging. So a prospective employer will try to make a prediction of your future success by understanding how you have handled situations in the past. So in a traditional interview, you, you can maybe get away with somewhat vague general answers. Whereas in a competency-based interview, they're going to be asking you for very specific examples. So the questions will start with, tell me about the time when. Give me example of a situation when. So they might ask you, you know, tell me about the time you... 
um, you worked, uh, I don't know, tell me about the time you solved the problem. You know, what was the problem? What did you, what did you do? What was the result? Or they might ask, give me an example of when you, you know, uh, managed to persuade someone to your point of view. As an example, example of conflict or people management. So be prepared to be asked for details, including names, dates, and outcomes. So they, they can ask you about projects you've been involved in, how your role evolved, how you handled deadlines, pressures, and difficult personalities, how you went about thinking through problems, how you determined what steps to take and in what order. So when you give examples from your work experience, the interviewer is going to probe you to try to understand how you think. So as I mentioned, you know, they might ask the questions will start, tell me about the time when, or describe a situation when. And then they might just ask you some probing questions like, so what were you thinking at, thinking at that point, or what was your decision-making process? So the interviewer will try to establish what benefits you will bring to the company and where your benefits might be greater than those of other candidates. So I've already mentioned that before, but when giving examples, I would recommend that you use the STAR format, and that stands for Situation, Task, Action, and Results. So Situation, Task, you, you would describe a work-related situation that you were in um, or the task that you needed to accomplish. Be very specific and give details, but keep it short and concise. Then action. So describe the action you took and be sure to keep the focus on you. Even if you're discussing a group project of effort, describe what you did, not the efforts of the team. And don't tell them what you might do or what do. Tell them what you did do. Um, again, the common mistake people sometimes make here is that they will say, we did this and we did that. You know, if you worked, it's fine to say we if you worked as part of a team, but at the same time, you need to explain what you've done. So even if you worked as part of a team, explain what your specific contribution was. Um, and then the result. What did you achieve? You know, what happened? How did the event end? What did you accomplish? What feedback did you receive? How much time or money did you save? What did you learn? So, um, so you need some kind of result at the end. And ideally, you want to have, you know, six to eight examples, at least at the tip of your tongue when you go to an interview. Um, so create those examples from the jobs of, of your, on your resume that you want to bring attention to. Um, and as you use those statements, your interviewer will become familiar with the various positions you've held, and they will just get a good idea of your track record of success in those various positions. So this is really the most important thing, that you back up your answers with examples and that you provide proof, that you demonstrate that you have the skills they need, and you do that by providing examples of what you've done in the past. Yeah, that's great. I think uh, uh, giving those answers, you, you, what I'm hearing, if I can summarize, Margaret, is yeah. make sure that whatever you communicate to the hiring manager, it helps them understand that you will add value. I mean, you're able to, you're able to show the results in, uh, and the benefits of hiring you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's all about that. Absolutely. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. So obviously, no, you've gone to the interview. Um, you've uh, done a good job. And they are ready to hire you. And now this is a, in my my experience, myself, my friends I've spoken to and others, this is a tricky part. This is something that is nerve-wracking for majority of the candidates. The whole negotiation aspect, uh, bringing up the money, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure how it is in UK. Uh, I find that in North America, there's a lot of struggle. So if you can tell me if that is the case there as well. And how does one navigate this important phase of the process? Okay, very important. I'm glad you brought it up. So, you know, employers hardly ever make the best of a first. And candidates who negotiate their salary generally earn more than those who don't. So I, I always think it's, try, it's good to try to negotiate the salary and, you know, ask for a higher salary if you can. I know it's not always possible. So, you know, sometimes you will interview and they will tell you straight, 
at the, at the beginning of the process that the maximum salary is X, Y, Z, then that's fine. Um, but at the same time, you know, maybe let me give you some tips on, on how to how to try to negotiate your best salary yet. So um, first, you know, do your research. Like before you even go for an interview, you should find out what the market rates are for the job you're looking for. There are salary surveys available online. There are some recruitment agencies that publish them. Um, there are websites like I think salary.com or payscale. Um, and if you're dealing with a recruitment agency, your consultant should be able to advise you on the salary range for the position you're interviewing for. So that's one thing, you know, you should be able to do some research and have an idea of how much the jobs are paying in the location that you're looking for. Um, another one, you know, don't talk money too early. Um, like, you know, we all want to earn more when we change jobs, but at the same time, don't ever ask about salary during the first interview. No employer wants to hire someone whose only motivation to, to change jobs is a higher salary. At the same time, I think, you know, as a recruiter, I always ask candidates what, what, what salary they own, what they're looking for before I even interview them. Because what's the point in going through the interview if they're earning 10000 more than what we can pay? So at the same time, I think it's good to get the salary at least to get an idea of what the candidate is looking for before the interview. Because I actually remember one situation myself when... Years ago, I got approached about the job um, by directly by the hiring manager. It was actually director from the States. And the job sounded really interesting. And I'm like, okay, I'll have a conversation with them. We speak for 45 minutes. We arrange another call, 45 minutes. And then only then he asked me what salary are you looking for. And basically what they were paying was um, just pretty much what I was on. There just would be no reason for me to move. In fact, it might have even been less or around what I was looking for. So I think it's very important that you, um, you know, get that clarified, like you, you, you get an idea of what the salary range is going to be. However, you know, once you, so know the market rate for the type of position you're looking for, but if they ask you what salary are you looking for, I personally think it's better to give a range rather than a specific number. So you don't want to give a salary that's perhaps lower than the employer is looking to pay, but you don't want to price yourself out of the market either. I would always emphasize that, you emphasize that you're primarily interested in finding the right job for you and salary is in your main consideration. So, um, you know, and, and I'll give you actually some tips about that in a, in a second, but I think it's also important to believe that you can negotiate in this economy. Yes, you know, I know there'll be some jobs in some industries that the salary scales, like in public sector, um, so like in the UK, for example, you know, government, the, the salary ranges are quite fixed, so there is much room for negotiation. Uh, but at the same time, you know, most of the time you really can negotiate in this economy. Like if you've been selected as the candidate the company wants to hire and you have the skills and experience they're looking for, you're really in an excellent um, position to negotiate. So know what you want and don't be afraid to ask for it. You know, no one loses a job offer because they ask for something. However, you can um, have a job offer pulled because of the way you ask. So it's important that your request is within the ballpark of the salary range. So again, avoid giving a specific number until the employee is ready to make you an offer. And remember to be enthusiastic, polite, and professional during negotiations. Like You want to demonstrate through the tone of your voice and demeanor that your goal is a win-win solution. If you're too pushy, the employer might get the impression that you're not that interested in the job or only interested in the money and withdraw the offer. And again, keep selling yourself. As you go through the interviewing and negotiating process, Remind the employer how they will benefit from your skills and experience. So let me give you an example. Like let, let's suppose that the employer wants to offer, uh, say, fifty thousand, but you're looking for minimum fifty-seven. So explain how they will benefit by increasing your compensation. 
For example, um, I realize you have a budget to worry about. Um, however, I believe that with my desktop publishing and graphic design skills I bring to the position, you won't have to hire outside vendors to produce customer newsletters and other publications. That alone should produce far more than 7,000 in savings a year. So do you see, like, you know, justify every additional dollar or benefit that you request and remember to do so by focusing on the employer's needs, not your needs. Um, and also I would say, you know, ask for a fair price. That's why it's important you do the research because, um, you know, I, I remember one of my jobs that was actually at Expedia. I spoke to a candidate for an analyst role who asked for a salary of um, 55 to 60,000. All analysts at that level, there were three years of experience, were earning between 25 sorry, 35 and 40. So this kind of just priced himself out of the process. I mean, I don't know whether he was lying or that was really his salary, but seriously, every single person I spoke to earned between 35 and maximum maybe 45, and he's asked for 60. So, mm. yeah, so um, so it's important you ask for a fair price. Um, at the same time, you know, if the salary offer is below market value, you might want to gently suggest that it's in a company's best interest to, to pay the going rate. So, yeah, you know, if, you, if you've done the research that indicates that the going rate for a position is, you know, more than the offer, um, again, mention that to the employee. Like, obviously, you, you know, you can't justify doing a job for less than the market value. So, yeah, so so that's how I would say, you know, try to not mention maybe a specific number, but mention a range. Like, let's say you're looking for a salary of, say, 70000 um, and you're currently on, say, you know, I don't know, say 63, as an example. You can say, you know, the jobs you're looking at, the range is between, you know, 70 and 80,000. Yeah, you, you might just want to mention the range, not so much one specific number. Uh, that that sounds yeah. great. Thank thanks for uh, thanks for being very comprehensive there. Yeah, actually, one one other thing I would just say that um, when you like, it's also um, important to use confident body language. Like when you make a salary request, don't go on and on stating over and over why it's justified. Make your request and just shut up. You know, just offer a short, simple explanation why the amount is appropriate, and then just like don't say anything. You know, because sometimes people I um, feel like they're, they're uncomfortable with the silence, so they they just like keep talking and talking. That that's not very impactful. So make your request, offer an explanation why it's appropriate, and just wait for them to to say something. Great. So Margaret, we have covered the whole gamut from like in the beginning to getting the salary negotiation. So we are coming towards the conclusion of the, this episode. So before we conclude, is there any last tips, any last words that you anything that we might have forgotten to cover? Um, you know, there's just so much as I mentioned. You know, I talked about LinkedIn. I talk about tailoring, um, tailoring your resume to specific jobs and making sure that re resume is very much achievement oriented. Um, so that's really important. Um, you know, tailor your resume to specific jobs. That that's extremely important. Then during the job interview, again, you want to make sure that you um, quantify your experience, that you back up your answers with examples, that you provide stories of what you've done that, that demonstrate that you have the experience. Um, I would just say, um, you know, the job market has changed, now, and I'm sure, you know, any job seeker would, would notice that. I remember when I started in recruitment, um, it was kind of enough to maybe fulfill 60% of the requirements of the job, and, um, you know, and the, if, you, if you were a good cultural, cultural fit so to speak, you, you could get the job. Right now, that's not my experience. I, I think, you know, employers are looking for a very close fit to the requirements. So that's why it's obviously harder on the job seeker. 
Um, that's why it's just really important, you know, send out less applications, but just tailor them to specific positions. And don't just rely on job boards. That That's another, like, you know, today's economy is very different um, to what it was years ago. I wouldn't just rely on job boards. I think you need to be much more proactive. Um, I, I mean by that, you know, identify companies you're interested in, connect with recruiters in, in those organizations, um, you know, apply to companies directly. Just don't rely just on job boards. You obviously might want to use some recruitment companies and ask for recommendations, um, but yeah, I think being proactive is very important, not just relying on, on um, applying, applying online. So Margaret, after listening to this episode, uh, if the audience or listeners wanted to learn more from you or reach out to you, what would be the best way? Um, so I, um, my website is in, www.interview-coach.co.uk. Um, I have a lot of free resources on my website that I'll be very happy to, um, you know, to share. Like if you go to free resources, I've got a video course, um, a video course about get hired, and I've got um, e-course how to win a job interview. So a lot of the tips I've shared, um, I've shared during the call today. Um, so yeah, feel free also to send me an email if you, um, if you actually, you know, want to chat about your career, just go to talk with Margaret com. That's all one word. Talkwithmargaret.com. Um, answer a few questions and apply for a complimentary consultation. Um, I'll be happy to help or just send me an email. My email is margaret at interview-code.co.uk. I'll make sure to add uh, your website the links as Thanks. well at the, as a summary at the end of the episode so people, uh, people can find it easily. So um, thanks for joining us all the way from London, England, Margaret. Uh, <laughs> Thank thanks for sharing your comprehensive uh, ideas. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me, Nisar. You're welcome. Thanks. Thanks, folks, for listening to this episode of the Career Matters podcast. I have, as I mentioned, I have written a brief summary of the interview with links to Margaret's websites uh, and also email. If you liked what you heard, feel free to subscribe to the Career Matters podcast on iTunes. If you enjoyed the episode and also learned something new, feel free to post a comment or a review. And if you really loved it, definitely go ahead and share it with your network. Until next time, this is Nisar Ahmad, your host for the Career Matters Podcast. Thank you.